Happy Sunday, church. We're so excited that you're here joining us five minutes early for the pre-service. It's going to be a great time. Also, happy Valentine's Day. If you don't know, my name's Candice, and I am on our worship team. And I'm Julie, and I'm part of our host team here at Slate Church. We're pretty excited for Valentine's Day. I'm really excited if for Valentine's Day. Give it away. Yeah. It falls on a Sunday, so you are getting a pre-roll packed with Valentine's themed things. It is the day of love. Um, you know, David and Tim did the pre-roll last week, and they called themselves the sports pastors. So I, we decided, I think we're the love pastors. Yeah, we're, we're both senior love pastors. The senior love pastors. Mm -hmm. I've never yeah. been in a relationship, but still, senior love pastor. I got it <laughs> down pat. It's all good. <laughs> what do we have going on for Valentine's Day, Julie? Well, to kick it off, we wanted to kind of do some speed dating questions, some get to know some okay. people in your life questions. So, Candace, I'm going to be firing some questions Love your it. way. Love it. Let's go. People in the chat, we want you to answer too. So get your typey fingers ready and get ready to answer these questions. Okay. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. First question. Rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't okay. matter what. I'm ready. Okay? Yeah. What makes you happy? Uh, my friends and chocolate. Okay. What makes you mad? Um, lying. That's, Wait, what about you? What makes you happy, Julie? Happy? Yeah. Oh, my dog. I like your dog, too. <laughs> what makes me mad? When people drive slow in the left lane. Ooh, yeah. yep. Okay, Candace. That's a good one. Next one. An audience ready? City or country? City, 100%. 100%. How would your best friends describe you? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm your friend. I would describe you as... Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, wait, why don't we describe each other then? Okay, I wonderful. Like... <laughs> I would describe you as very joyful. Hey, thanks. Aww. What's your dream job? My dream job is the job I have now. I work for a humanitarian aid organization, and it's incredible. That's wonderful. Yeah, don't what about you? you? What do, I work at a counseling firm, and I love it. That's awesome. And <laughs> this is the next one. What color describes your personality? I think I would say red. Okay. Even though I'm very, I don't really wear a lot of color, um, but I feel like red. I, I, I don't know. There's something about it. It's Valentine's Day. It's the first thing Day. that came. To, it's Valentine's yeah. Day. I'm the love pastor. I, I had had to be the color, you know. Love is in the hair. Ooh. You ready? <laughs> well, <laughs> that was great. But we're gonna take some time now and switch it up a little bit. We actually have a minute to win a game that we have, and we're gonna invite two people on our team to play this game. So Kezia and Lauren, why don't you hype them up in the chat Come in the on studio? Up. Come on. Okay, so we're gonna step out of the way. Julie, do you want to explain this game for everyone? I will explain this game. All right, we've got Lauren. Give her a round of applause. Thank you, thank you. We've got Kezia. Woohoo! Go, Kezia. So what these ladies have to do, they are going to have one minute on the clock. No putting the spoon in your mouth until we say go, okay? They're going to put the spoon in their mouth, and they are going to have to stack these different candies, Valentine's candies, on their spoons. And whoever gets the most on their spoon in the minute, doesn't have to be right at the end, wins. You win dignity and glory. Yes, so. you win a happy Valentine's Day, which Candace. you would get regardless. Okay, so we're gonna get started. You guys ready? In three, two, one, go. Okay, so in the chat, we wanna see who you think is going to win. Is it gonna be Lauren? Is it gonna be Kezia? Stack them on top I'm of each other. I'm not sure. On top. Ooh, we okay, lost so one. We're, we're losing some here. And one that's casualty. Okay. It's all right. 
I can really only see Lauren, but I, it seems like Lauren has a strategy oh. down pat. Oh. She's consistent. Ooh. She's steady. Come on. She's very steady. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, you've got this. Okay, so we have you've 30 seconds left. Come on, ladies. Oh, oh. You guys are doing a great job. I am counting six for Lauren, seven. One, two, wow. three, four, five. Come oh, on, let's hype them up in the Kezia. studio. Who do we think oh, is going to win? On. Okay, 15 seconds left. This is just like the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think this is just as much significance. Okay, and we're at five, four, three, two, and one. <laughs> Good job, ladies. Good I do think we have a clear winner. Give it up for Lauren Miller, everyone. Thank you, ladies, for playing. Thank you. But we just had a great time in the pre-service, but we're about to head into service. Church, let's get your notebooks out. Be full of expectation. God's going to do an incredible thing. Get ready. Welcome to church. My name is Victoria, and this is my husband, Luke. And we are so excited that you're joining us today on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Ooh. Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> this is, this is good. Do you remember our first Valentine's Day? I do. I do. That's good. Yeah. It was in Sydney, uh, Australia, a long time ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I do something nice? Yes, you did. You said I love you. <laughs> yeah, for the first time. Yes. For the very... What a cheese ball, hey? That's so cheesy. It was a great moment. I did say I love you for the first time on yeah. Valentine's Day. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Well, here we are, 11, like 11 Valentine's Days later. Yep. I still love you. Aww, even more. You. Even more. Aww. Still You're a cheese best. ball. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, it's hey, church. It's church day. We got a great service ahead. We're really excited. Listen, it's not too late to invite somebody to church. Uh, there's, in fact, an invite button popping up in the chat right now. We'd love for you to go ahead and click that and invite somebody out to church, somebody that you know needs to be at church today. Let's not underestimate how their life could be changed forever because of your willingness right now. Just click that button and invite someone to church. And also, uh, we've got a Connect card popping up in the chat. So, hey, if you want to get connected with us as a church, find out more, whatever it may be, why don't you fill out that Connect card, and, uh, and you can do that right now as well. Uh, for everyone else, hey, we're going to worship God together. And so wherever you are, why don't you jump up to your feet, and let's worship. Well, welcome to church. We're going to sing a new song this morning, so why don't you jump up to your feet and get ready to praise God. Bring your hopes, your dreams, your doubts. 
song so many powerful lyrics in there well hey listen each and every week we take a little bit of time out of our service just to highlight some of the amazing things that God is doing in our church so we got someone here who's thankful for their first sale this week after opening a small business come on that's huge praise God we got someone else who's thankful um, for God's financial provision through two friends whose obedience to practice abundant generosity 
met a huge need for them and their family. Come on, that's amazing. Um, we're also a church that believes in the power of prayer. And if you've got a prayer request of your own, um, you can submit that at any time at slatechurch.com slash prayer. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna read over a couple of the couple of the needs that came in over this past week. Uh, we've got someone who's praying for clarity and peace uh, for someone's family in the midst of a confusing and frightening situation. We are praying alongside you. Um, we're, we're also praying um, for any teams right now uh, that aren't able to gather and serve in person. We're praying that teams um, and others would be able to still feel belonging and love um, even in this online season. So if you've got faith in this place, why don't you lift your hand towards the screen? And maybe you got a prayer request of your own that wasn't mentioned. Why don't you lift your other hand? Dear God, we love you. You're a good God. We thank you for everything you were doing um, in our lives, in our church, in our communities, God. But we just wanna lift up each and every single need that's came in this past week, Lord. We just pray that you would make a way um, where where it may not seem like a way, where it may not seem like a way can be made, God, and that you would just have your way in all these situations, God. We're praying for healing. We're praying for miracles. We're praying for financial provision, um, and we're praying for everything else going on in people's lives, Lord. The lives, lives, God, that you would just take it um, and uh, do what only you can do with it, God. Um, yeah, we thank you that, that, that you're a God that answers prayer, Lord, um, and we're praying that these would one day become prayer uh, praise reports. We ask all of this in your name, Amen. Come on, church, why don't we continue to worship? All right, let's just really take a moment to lean in and just push aside all the distractions of this week and just really into, lean, lean into this moment and just really look to God in this moment.
Amen. Well, what an awesome time of worship that that was. But, you know, we're actually going to continue in our worship right now as we gather around our giving. And to encourage us in our giving, I just want to read some scripture and just share a, a, a short thought with you today uh, as to why we give and the importance of it. And the scripture comes from Proverbs 21, verse 26. It says, sinners are always wanting what they don't have. The God loyal are always giving what they do have. And I just love this verse, and I think that it's so important for us to remember this idea that as followers of Christ, we need to have a posture of spirit that says, I know that I've been blessed, and I know that I have, and I know that out of what I do have, I can give. It reminds me of a story I heard of two very famous American authors, and they were internationally published, world-renowned. You would know their names. And they were at a party in New York at a mansion, at a, millionaire, a billionaire's house. And they were at this party, and the two of them were on the uh, porch, and they were talking. And the one author said to the other, uh, how does it make you feel that just yesterday, the host of this party made more money in that one day than your best-selling book made in its 40-year run? And the other uh, author responded, he, he replied, 
you know, that's great and all, but I have one thing that's worth so much more than that. And that is that I know that I have more than enough. And I just think that that's such a great perspective to have. And as Christ followers, we have more than enough. No matter how much money we have, we have more than enough because of what Jesus has given to us. And really, out of what we have been given, uh, you know, we just want to have a posture and a spirit that gives. And so that's what we want to do as a church. We want to have a posture of generosity, a spirit that's willing to give from what we do have. Whether we have a ton of money, whether we have a little bit of money, whatever we're making, we know that we are going to give. We are going to tithe. We are going to return to God that which is his. And we really believe we're blessed to be a blessing to others. And so why don't we do that today? Let's give. Whoever you are, just want to encourage you in this moment. There's many ways to give, and they're up on the screen beside me here. And I just want to encourage you, let's give, and let's really believe that God's going to do incredible things with this giving. But hey, why don't we pray for our giving today? Lord, we just thank you so much that you have given us everything that we need. And Father, from that, we just pray that we would be able to return to you financially. And Jesus, you would take that finance and you would use it to do incredible and miraculous things. Take it further than we ever could on our own. Father, would it just be a blessing to so many people? We love you. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, I just want to take a minute and tell you uh, about a couple of things that we want to put on your radar. And the first is this. Every Thursday morning at 6.30 in the morning as a church, we have a prayer morning. We would love for you to join us for that. It's perfect before work, before school, whatever you're doing. Why not attend prayer morning with us? It's the best way that you could start your day. Take some time, pray. And listen, we've really seen huge impact from these mornings. In fact, this is something that we've done consistently since the very beginning of Slate Church. And it makes a difference because there is power in prayer. And so we'd love for you to join us. You can uh, uh, visit our website to find out more information about that. We host it over Zoom. It's really easy to jump on. And we'd love to have you there. The other thing that we want to tell you about is to make sure that you follow us on social media. Uh, we don't want you to miss out on anything that's going on with Slate Church. And we don't want you to miss out on everything that's ahead. And so make sure that you're following us on social media to stay up to date with everything that's going on. We don't want you to miss out. We'd love to see you there. All right, now it's time for a really great segment of our service, uh, a really uh, exciting one, one that we all love so much. It's called The Interview. So I'm going to throw it over to The Interview right now. Hey, church. Well, what a great service we've had so far today. And I'm excited now for the interview this week, all right? It's a segment that we uh, just really like. I think as a church, we really love it. I love being a part of it. I love hearing the stories every week of what God has done in people's lives. And today we have a very special guest. Our guest today is Jen Taves. Can we put our hands together, whether you're at home or in the studio? Let's give it up for Jen. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And thank you. I'm just like, usually I take too much time to talk off the beginning of this. We're going to jump right into it. You were talking to me a little bit before. We connected a bit before this. You were saying you grew up in a Christian home. You are saying, I know now I've gotten to know you over the last few years. You've got a great family here. You've been a part of church for a while, working in like families ministries and stuff like that. And so I'm going to pass it over to you. Actually, we were talking a little bit before. Why don't you just jump in? Like, we'll jump right into it and tell us a little bit about the year 2014 for you guys as a family. Yeah. So 2014. The year started off great. It, uh, we just finished renovations on our new home, our first home as a couple. I landed my first job uh, teaching full-time, which was exciting. Um, and then the cherry on top is we 
we're expecting our first baby as a couple. And that was super exciting. It was a great start of the year. Um, and then August 17th, uh, I went into preterm labor. And uh, we gave birth to our daughter, Harper mm -hmm. Grace. Um, she lived for 13 hours and 15 minutes and then passed away. Wow. Yeah. The, uh, the grief that followed was heavy. Yeah. It, it was very heavy. Um, there's words for, for people who lose their spouse, their widows. There's a name for people who lose their parents, yeah. their orphans. Right. But there, there's not a name for someone who right. loses a child yeah. because it just doesn't make sense. It yeah. shouldn't happen. And, and yeah, I struggled yeah. with it. How, how, did you, how did you, like, deal with something that large happening? Like, how did you handle that grief? Yeah, so, again, the days, the months after was really... Um, grief took on a full-time job. Right. It was also strange because I was on mat leave, which was a, <laughs> yeah. a bizarre thing no on top of that. But um, with my husband's encouragement, I really turned to God's word. Yeah. And I turned to God's word to find an answer, yeah. to find out why this happened. And I didn't find an answer. Hmm. But I think God doesn't always give an answer. And that was something I had to come to realization that... Yeah. This side of heaven, we will not get all the answers. Yeah. And maybe it's not our right to know all the answers. Um, but what I did find, and I kept coming back to God's word, is because God wanted us to, he wants us to bring our sorrows to him. Mm. The book of Lamentation is all laments to God. Right. A third of the Psalms are laments to God. Yeah. They are people crying out to God in grief, being like, well, why did this happen? And it's because we live in a broken world. Mm. We live in a world that's succumbed to sin. Mm. And, um, and I just remember coming to that realization that I went through all these stages of grief. I went through sorrow where I didn't stop crying. I went through anger. Why didn't God answer my prayer when yeah. I cried out to him to save my girl? Yeah. Um, wow. But again, God wanted, it's okay to have those feelings, yeah. but bring them to the God. Leave them at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And he will, He yeah, he's there because he, he wants to hear from us. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, like, dealing with something that's that large, like even just in your marriage, like what, what does that do as you're talking about your relationship with God and looking for answers? Like what kind of answer could you possibly get for something like that? But what does that do in your relationship with God? Like what is, I don't, I don't know, what did you learn through that? What does your relationship look like with God now versus before? Like, yeah. So it would have been so easy in a, a circumstance like that to abandon my faith. God didn't answer my prayers. Right. Why should I trust in this God? Right. But God is a God of promises. Mm. He has promised to turn sorrows into joy. Mm. And he did. I also came to the realization that the love I had for my child is indescribable. Mm. The love you have for your children is yeah. something so special and so unique. Wow. And the pain of losing a child is also indescribable. No and my relationship with God turned and pivoted because our God gave his son Jesus on the cross mm. freely wow. to die. And that blows my mind that he chose to do that yeah. because his love for us is indescribable wow. Wow. in a way that I can't even comprehend yeah. that's even greater than the love I have for my, my children. Yeah. That's how much he loves us, if not more. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 
That's crazy, man. Like, I can't even imagine, like, and you, you know, like, Beth, my wife Beth is pregnant now, and so even just to be in that situation, I'm, I'm learning what it means to love, you know, somebody as much as you do like that, and so to, to love and then to lose, but then also to have God show you his love for you through that, is a, it's a crazy, it's like, it's a powerful thing. I'm wrapping my head around it even <laughs> as you're talking. So, so let me, as we're ending this then, yeah. tell me a little bit of what you'd say to somebody, maybe that is experiencing, we were talking about this a little bit before, yeah. like everybody's experiencing grief in some capacity right now, whether it's just loss of time or job or family or whatever. Like, what would you say to somebody that is struggling through their own grieving phase, whether it's a, a loss of a loved one or just a loss of something else? Yeah, God, God is a God of promises. Mm-hmm. He, uh, as I mentioned before, he has promised to turn our sorrow into joy. Yeah. And maybe that won't be here on earth, but eternity will definitely bring joy. Mm. And um, a bit of my story is I, uh, our, our path of grief continued. And then there was a point where I was like, I don't know if I'll ever feel joy again. Yeah. And then 2015, we ended up expecting another child. Uh. And it was a bumpy pregnancy. I ended mm. up being in the hospital for eight weeks on bed rest. Wow. Um, my son was born Joel, and he was six weeks early. So we spent three weeks in the NICU, Yeah. but then we brought him home. Wow. And Joel means Jehovah is God. Mm. And it's wow. just a promise that God fulfills his promises. Yeah. And then God was not done with us. Yeah. <laughs> for, when Joel was four months old, we found out we were pregnant again. No way. And that was a, uh, a bit of a surprise, but an amazing blessing. Yeah. And that pregnancy was smooth. Wow. She was delivered a year and four days after her brother was wow. born, and we got to bring her home that same day. Mm. So to, to it's, as you mentioned, like yeah. it's such a season of grief right now, whether it's the gr- grief of a yep. loved one, yep. grief of a lost job, grief of what used to be. Yep. Um, I can tell you, God will carry you through. Mm, Even if you don't feel like it at times, he will carry you through. And there will be joy at the end of it. Wow. I can promise that if you trust and believe wow. in Jesus. Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing a little bit of what God has done in your life. And again, it's crazy to think like we can talk so deeply on something like this. And this is just a piece of your guys' story, right? And God still has so much ahead for you. And he's done already so much in your life. And so thank you for being honest and vulnerable and sharing that with people. I think it's going to impact a lot of people. Uh, as they hear it. Yeah. So thank you again. Thank you. And church, uh, listen, what, what a great interview. What a great part of the service here today. And, uh, I'm going to actually pass it back over to, uh, pastor Nate. We're going to jump into a new segment. We, we jumped into it last week. We're going to jump into it again this week. And so, uh, heads up for that. It's going to be really good. I'm going to pass it over to him now. Hello, my name is Nate, and along with my wife, Emily, we are pastors here at Slate Church, and I am excited to be coming to you with week two of our new segment. Each week, we're taking a word or a term that's important to understanding our faith and theology and trying to break it down and give a bit of a definition. This week, uh, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about the word ecclesiology. Simply put, this is the study of the ecclesia, which is just the Greek word for church that's used most commonly throughout the Bible. What this is, is is basically an understanding of what 
the church is, how it functions, what it's supposed to do, what its purpose is. And unfortunately, uh, kind of petty disagreements and uh, uh, quabbling over details of this have actually caused a lot of division and hurt within the church over the years, which is why we wanna make sure that we major on the majors and minor on the minors when we're talking about a topic like this. So I wanna go through really quickly a few of the key majors of ecclesiology. Number one, uh, we are all a part of the global church. This is what we mean when we say the capital C church. The church is the entire global community of Christians and believers. We are all united with one purpose under God as the church. Number two, a church is not uh, a place where uh, it, we're just putting on an event on a Sunday. It's not just a staff team. It's not just uh, some programming or an institution, but it's actually a community of people coming together to live out God's purposes for their lives. Here at Slate Church, we're not defined by who we are as an institution, but we're defined by who we are as a community. It's all of us as people coming together uh, to seek after God and his purposes for us, which is why we focus so much here on getting people into connect groups and getting people plugged into our teams where people can actually be a part of this community. And lastly, and most importantly, uh, the purpose of the church is to actually reflect God's kingdom here on earth. This means that as we become disciples, as we become more like Jesus, as we make disciples out of others, we actually begin to reflect God's glory, his perfection, his justice, and his goodness here on earth. So hopefully I was able to teach you guys a little bit about ecclesiology, kind of a quick primer of what that is, what it means uh, today. Uh, and uh, I'm excited that uh, now we actually get to go into our message. So I'm gonna pass it over to Pastor Brandon. Welcome Slate Church. We are so glad to have you. And even if you don't call Slate Church home, we are just really thrilled that you would join us. Whether you are watching live, and if you are right now, why don't you just drop a hi Brandon in the uh, chat right now. And if you're watching on demand, we just wanna welcome you to Slate Church. No matter how you found us, this is a church that is for you. And how do I know that? Because no matter what your circumstances or situation is coming into church today or listening to this message wherever you find yourself, I know that God can move in your situation because he moved in mine. And if he can move in mine, he can certainly move in yours because I am not a perfect person standing here today. I'm somebody that has quite a past that I'm able to bring before our God and uh, he accepts us exactly as we are. So I just wanna welcome you wherever you find yourself. Uh, my, again, my name is Brandon. I awkwardly last week, I introduce myself as, as Pastor Brandon. And I say that awkwardly because when you become a pastor, you get some interesting names, okay? All of a sudden, you'll be walking through uh, the grocery store and somebody will yell across the grocery store, hey, pastor, and it'll be like, who are they talking to? And then all of a sudden, you have to clue in. You're like, wait, they, I think they're talking to me. And you're like looking around and you're like, certainly it isn't me. I've got one friend that calls me Revy Rish the Bish. And uh, that's my, my favorite name in particular. And uh, he's one of the sports pastors here at St. Church, if you were watching last week. But Remy Rish the Bish has got to be my absolute favorite. And uh, truthfully, um, I just like to be called Brandon. So if you're on the other side of this, just call me Brandon. But today's message title, if you can write this down, is called Hey Pastor. 
And uh, I really want to talk to you from the idea that we've been going through. We're in the middle of a series called This Is Church. And again, sorry, um, camera team. I'm looking around at all the different cameras. What an incredible background. I am in love with the backgrounds in this series because it shows our church. This is church. And we're in the middle of this series. We're in week two of a seven-week series. We just decided it's seven weeks um, of a seven-week series. And we are incredibly excited for the second installment. If you didn't join us for the first installment, you don't. It's, this isn't like episodes where you got to go back and uh, go to that one before you can continue. But I do recommend after this message you go back because I believe it will bless you. Today we want to start off with our theme verse, Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. It says this, All authority, Jesus speaking to his followers before he leaves uh, the earth, before he ascends back into heaven, uh, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray and let's get into it. Jesus, we know that the mission you have for us moving forward is to make disciples. Jesus, may we not excuse ourselves from this, I pray. Lord, may you propel us into the future that you have for us by allowing us to understand our corporate responsibility to respond to the call to go into all the nations and making disciples. We pray this in your mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, if you're watching live, why don't you just drop an amen in the chat. Make yourself known. It's really important, guys, that uh, we don't just... I'm starting to feel like Doug Ford just giving the same message over and over again, right? Uh, drop an amen in the chat. Make yourself known. This is online church, but you're not supposed to be anonymous. Just do that because there's a lot of people there that would love to say hi to you. Hey, when we talk about making disciples, the temptation is to think that this is for everybody else other than ourselves. You know, I, talk, I, I often picture my kids when it's time for dinner. It's like Emma calls us all for dinner and we all look at each other. I'm included. I'm as bad as the kids. We all like look at each other like she's calling somebody else or some other family for dinner. And I'm kind of like, guys, she's calling you for dinner. And then Emma's like, Brendan, where are you? And I'm like, oh, right. Because there's these moments in our lives where we hear a call and we assume it's for everybody else other than ourselves. The temptation to think when it's uh, go and make disciples, we start to think, well, he must just be talking to Pastor Brandon and Pastor Emma. Or he must be talking to my connect group leader. Or God must be talking to some other spiritual Christian that I listen to from time to time on this podcast. He's definitely talking to them. But we are given no indication that he's talking to anybody else other than everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. If you call in the name of Jesus, you are called to go make disciples. So we messed this up early in the Bible. The very first book of the Bible is called Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, it is in chapter 1 we are given a command as humans. Chapter 1, verse 27 to 28 says this. God bled, he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. Be fruitful and multiply. And an incredible commandment. And yet one that is broken only 10 chapters later. And, and there's a really strange connection between what God calls us to do, go make disciples of all the nations, and what the church actually does, and God's call of humanity to be fruitful and multiply, and what humanity actually does. Because in Genesis chapter 11, we read of this story. It's called the Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, rather than being fruitful and multiply, humans 
create new technology, which is bricks, and they decide to build a tower unto their own glory, and they gather the nations together, and it actually says, they said to one another in Genesis chapter 11, verse 3, they say, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said this, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered across the whole earth. Well, that's exactly what God wanted them to do. Be fruitful and multiply and scatter along the earth. And here humanity is, just a few chapters into our scriptures, just a few generations in, and they are already disobeying God's commandments. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says to his followers, go make disciples, but stay and wait for my presence. In Acts 2, some of the earliest stories of what we have of the early church, there the church is gathering, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And when they receive it, there could be the same temptation as humanity when we first began to just say, you know what, let's stay here and build an empire unto ourselves. Let's gather ourselves here and let's send out notifications to people to join us where we find ourselves right now. We've got a pretty good thing going. The worship band is cranking. The messages are awesome. The, the, the coffee at the door is ph phenomenal. And what Jesus is commanding them is, hey, once you stay and receive the presence of God, you need to go make disciples. And how many of us we're like the people building the Tower of Babel and we'd rather just come together and gather ourselves in churches and get all comfortable and just bring people into what we have going on rather than uh, answering to the call of Jesus, which is to go make disciples. Come on, can you drop a comment? Say, hey, pastor. Hey, pastor. Hey, pastor. I'm talking to you. Because here's the reality of our situation. Until we begin to realize that the call is greater than just on your pastors and you're actually called to pastor your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your situation, your context, we will not be able to fulfill the mission of God as long as we, got, we try to gather everybody together and we fail to send ourselves out and scatter amongst the earth where we find ourselves. Are you guys okay for a hist history lesson? I was telling the kids... Uh, a story about in my history class in grade nine, how I had to write a letter like I was in one of the world wars. And so I, I, I was so attentive. I was more of like an artsy kid back then. And I like um, dyed the paper with tea bags and then I like burnt the edges. And everybody's done this in school at some point. It's like a universal experience. And you like try to make it as old as you can. And then you burn the house down. That didn't happen. But, um, you know, I, I was telling about this history thing. I want to give you a history lesson on the church in Canada. You see, Canada is a fairly recent and young nation. We just celebrated 150 years, I think three years ago. So we must be 153 years old, okay? Since, since the modern type of Canada. Okay, I'm just going to move past that. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Okay, but in that time, the way that we settled is we started settling. Europeans started settling down along the St. Lawrence into the Great Lakes, okay? And what would happen is a group of people would settle in an area, usually by moving water. They'd set up a mill and essentially that would start a civilization. And what that town would start to do is they would start sending out for a call for people to come into their town. So they would need a merchant. A merchant would need to come and start selling stuff, so they'd send out a call for that. That town would need a doctor, and so they'd send out for a doctor, and the doctor would come in and service the whole town. They would need a, um, 
uh, a blacksmith. And so they'd send out for a blacksmith. And we have stories of, of people trekking down to Pennsylvania and bringing back people in order to cover for these needs. And th- I mean, these are stories from all over the place. And then where we get the idea of pastors preaching a call, which is essentially a modern day thing that's still used when a pastor preaches a call to be accepted by a congregation, this is where this comes from is they would send out for a call for a pastor to come in and to take care of the spiritual needs of the community. So you have the merchant taking care of the business needs, the blacksmith taking care of the horseshoes and, and the, the metal needs of the, of the community. They had a, a doctor that would take care of the health needs and the physical needs, and they would put out a call for a preacher to take care of the physical needs. Now, the only problem with this is that that's not actually what Jesus called us to do. He didn't say, hey, go find yourself a pastor that will do your spiritual work for you. He said, you, you, hey, pastor, on the other side of this video, go make disciples. And yet what we have lived in ever since is an expectation that the pastor is going to do it, or some leader is going to do it, or some evangelist is going to do it, or somebody with more skills or more spiritual than me is going to do it. And what Jesus is calling us to is a priesthood of all believers. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I thought I was looking at the wrong time there. I was like, there's no way I only have three minutes left. And I don't. I have as much time as I want to use. First <laughs> Peter chapter 2, 8 to 10 says this, um, uh, uh, or continuing rather in, in, in verse 9. Peter is talking to the church and he says to the church, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. Isn't that phenomenal language that he uses? He says, you are a royal priesthood. In Revelation 1, verses, uh, verse 6, John is writing to the church, and out of this revelation that God is giving uh, to, to John, he, he says, to him who loves us and has freed us from his sins by his blood, talking about Jesus, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God And Father, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Pick up on that language. To be a kingdom and priest. See, here's the reality between what we need to understand. The disconnect is that we expect other people to be the priest for us. We expect other people to pastor the people closest to us for us. And yet what Jesus is establishing is a priesthood of all believers. His kingdom is a kingdom of priests. And we need to start to understand that he does not delineate between a pastor and the, and, 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 and the people that attend. But he, but he actually says, no, 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 you're all to pastor the communities that I brought you to. Church, if we're to move into the future that God has for us, we need to begin to understand the personal responsibility that exists for us. We need to move from addition to multiplication. You see, Jesus wants to multiply his church, not just add to his church. Over and over again as a pastor, I get these messages. Hey, you weren't there for me here, and you weren't for me, there for me there, and you weren't this, and you didn't do this, and that. And listen, this doesn't happen in a week. This has happened over the course of years, right? And I get these messages. And I start to begin to understand that there's some people still in our church today that expect me to be your personal pastor. And the truth is, is that, yes, I'm a pastor of Slate Church, but we should all be pastoring one another. You see, I read a stat somewhere that the most amount of people that one person can, can connect with is 80 people. That's including family and friends and people that you keep up with in your other life and then people that you go to church with and everything else. So if you want this church to be 80 people, Em and I can be your pastor. 
But surprise, our church is almost 10 times that size, which means we need a bunch of people that say, you know what? I'm willing to take on the work that Jesus called me to, and I'm willing to be discipled and to disciple others because this responsibility is not just on the pastors, it's on us as the pastors. Hey, pastor, you have a responsibility. And as far as we need to go from addition where I'm trying to bring people in to all of us saying, you know what? We're going to go out and multiply the kingdom of God by building disciples of all the nations. Come on, is this speaking to somebody today? We need to break down an us and them mentality from the clergy to the people and say, no, we are all the people of God. There are no asterisks in heaven for those that were paid to be a pastor and those that weren't paid. There is only people that were called to be pastors and those that lived it out and those that didn't in the kingdom of God. We got to learn that this is much bigger than ourselves. One of my good friends, a pastor friend, his name's Robin Waller. He said, life is most beautiful when God's purposes become our purposes. See, the nation of Israel was the first nation to ever have a priest. So I want to take you back to the first time there was ever a priest. His name was Aaron. He was the brother of a guy named Moses. And Moses led an entire nation called Israel out of Egypt and out of Egyptian slavery, Okay out of Egyptian slavery. They were there for 400 years. Moses leads them out. Moses doesn't really want to talk to the people. He's got to stutter, everything else. Aaron becomes that for him. He becomes the first priest of the first nation of God, okay? And so we're going to, I want to teach you about what it actually looks like to be a priest, okay? I want to show you the difference between Moses and Aaron for a second, because Moses, when he comes out, all of a sudden he goes up on a mountain for a long time to talk, talk to God. And we get this story where all of a sudden the Israelites who were brought out of Egypt by the living God, they start asking Aaron, who's supposed to become the priest for these people, they actually start creating gods for themselves. And Aaron actually gives into them. All while Moses is meeting with God and getting the Ten Commandments from God and about to bring them down from the mountain of God. And so in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, we see this and it says that when the people saw that Moses, he's up on the mountain, was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. See, I want to move for a second between not just calling you to be a priest, and a pastor of the people that are around you, but I want to move into what it actually looks like to be a proper pastor to the people around you. This is a content-heavy message, isn't it? I'm trying to accomplish a lot in 25 minutes, but these are going to be some of the most, most important 25 minutes of your entire week. In fact, this is a formational message for us as a church. Listen, there's a time for funny stories. This is not the time. We need to wake up to what God is calling us to as a church. So what we see here is that all of a sudden, a, a, a real pastor starts in the presence of God. Where's Moses? He's in the presence of God. Where are the people? They're in the presence of themselves. I want you to hold on to that because that's what we talked about last week. We need to find ourselves in the presence of God if we are going to truly pastor the people of God. You cannot do it apart from the presence of God. Further on, Aaron actually accepts the invitation to make these idols. And in verse four, he says this, it says, then, uh, then, then uh, Aaron said to them, these are your gods. After he took all the gold from the people and melted it down into a calf, he said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. 
God just literally brought these people through a, a sea on dry land. He split waters to bring these people away from the oppressors of Egypt, uh, the Egyptian oppressors who were chasing them. And all of a sudden, in a split second, they're turning their backs on God and they are now made it their own gods out of their own hands, their own jewelry. They have made it and now they are worshiping them. I want to share this with you, church, because a pastor that is a priest of the kingdom, a pastor that is of God, does not listen to the voice of the people more than they listen to the voice of God. Yeah. It's so funny because I think some people in our church, in Capital C Church, they think they're doing the pastoral work of the church because they're listening to people. They're listening to people complain. I haven't really felt cared for in the last little while. I want to ask you, just because people are coming to you doesn't mean you're pastoring them. What are you saying when people come to you? Because just because people come to you does not mean that you have the work of God in mind. Aaron has people coming to him, but he's making new gods for them. Are you making gods of the people or are you making God real to the people? Come on, we got to know that God wants to speak his words to people and he doesn't want to speak people's words to people. Listen, a sure sign that somebody doesn't understand that we are trying to build the kingdom of God is when you allow complaining in your company. Come on, it, care is not about listening to complaining. Care is about bringing people into the character of God. Can I say that again? Care is not about listening to complaining. Care is about bringing people into the character of God. See, there is no time to be complaining about what's not being happened when you're the ones responsible, I'm the ones responsible for actually moving forward the kingdom of God. We are pastors. Hey, pastor, you're responsible for what God is calling this church to become. I had a really great text come to me this past week. In fact, God's doing something new in our church and I can sense it because I got a lot of these messages this past week and somebody messaged me and they said, Hey, Brandon, I really appreciate your message last week. For the longest time, I've been asking, why isn't the church making more disciples? This person's been, a, uh, been a, 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 um, a Christian for a very long time. He said, it wasn't until your message that I realized I'm actually responsible for making disciples. Come on, how many of us are starting to wake up to the reality that in order to build the kind of church that Jesus is coming back for, we need to take on this responsibility collectively and we need to seek to please God, not displease man. In chapter 32, same chapter, verse 15, it says all of a sudden Moses returns down the mountain after all of this is going on. And it says Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. Because this is what a pastor does, is he returns to people with words of God, not with words of man. Church, we've got to continue to turn back to God, bringing the words of God instead of entertaining the words of man. He deals with everything that's going on. He does some crazy stuff. And uh, he actually tells them to break down the gold calf that was created, crumble it up, and feed it back to the people. So all of a sudden, they're eating their gods. It's, it's kind of humorous, actually. But in chapter 32, verse 27, 
It says that Moses said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp, one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did, these are the priestly people, did as Moses commanded. And that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart for the Lord today. For, though, for you were against your own sons and daughters and he has blessed you this day. Listen, this is strange and I don't have time to break it down. And there's actually a deeper lesson here. But what we need to understand is that if we are to take on this priestly call that is on our church, we need to purge sin from our camp. I can't say this enough, and maybe we haven't been saying it enough, but sin has no place in the life of a believer that is now living in the spirit and is dead to sin. We need to rise up. Sinning is something that's going to continue to happen. But inviting it in is a completely different thing. There are men on the other side of this that need to give up your porn addiction right now. And I'm not letting the girls off the hook because women on the other side of this need to give up your porn addiction right now. You need to release it to God and stop making excuses for why it's happening. Those of us that have been sinning and ongoing and continuing to be angry with our kids because it's COVID's fault and it's not a personal responsibility of our own. We need to purge sin from the camp. We need to cut it away away from ourselves so we can begin to pastor the people. Come on, I'm not calling you to be perfect because only Jesus was perfect. But we got to wake up to the fact that we need to purge sin from ourselves to be able to be used by God. And we can only do that by the grace and the strength of God. Finally, after Moses does all this stuff, I don't know if I read or not, but he had broken the tablets, the commandments, he had broken them. And uh, I can just imagine, I hate, I've broken a couple of phones. I can't imagine breaking the 10 commandments. It's like, that's a bad day, Moses. So it says that Moses in verse 31 went back up to the Lord and he begins to talk to, the, talk to God. We're gonna be consistently, if we answer the call of of being a pastor to those around us, to make disciples, we will be consistently in a rhythm of meeting with God. We see this already. Meeting with God, hearing the complaints of man, bringing the words of God, recognizing that there's still sin in us that needs to be removed, being exhausted by the whole process. And then as Moses does, he goes back up into the mountain, back up into the presence of God. Church, I can't, I can't, underscore enough the reality that if we are going to move into the future that God has for us as a church, we need to go through the cycle of being in the presence of God, bringing down the words of God, countering the complaints of the people of God with the presence and the words of God and removing sin from our own lives and our own camps and the returning back to the presence of God because this is what a priest does. This is what a pastor does, is he brings and she brings new life and new hope and new dreams and new vision and a new proclamation to a bunch of people that desperately need it in the world we find ourselves. Listen, church, I've lost my voice in this message too. I wanna remind you that we do not live in a post-Christian nation. We live in a pre-Christian nation. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people that say the church's best days are behind them. 
In some ways, the ways that we started churches may not have been the way that we need to continue the church today. We need to understand that the best days are ahead of us, but we need to trust in God to bring us to that place. But my question to you today is, are you willing to answer the call of God to not put the pastoral work on everybody else, but to carry it on your own back? Hey, maybe you're watching today and you're like, this, this, is, this is what I need. I don't need an alternative, a better or more happy alternative to what I'm seeing in the world, but I need a radically different way to live my life. I want to encourage you today that Jesus, the reason that we are sent is because Jesus was first sent for us. We go out and make disciples because Jesus first came for us said, I know you're going to mess it up. I know there's going to be sin in the camp. I know that this is, and I don't want to have to go through the camp with a sword anymore, so I will take the sword myself, and I will pay a penalty that you cannot pay for yourself. If you're watching today and you want to find yourself in relationship with God, my encouragement to you today is turn from your ways and come into a right relationship with God by accepting what he did, for the cro- did on the cross for you. I want to pray for you if that's you today. Jesus, For anybody right now that's saying, hey, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I need to turn from my ways. I want to be caught up in this purpose I've been hearing about today. For anybody praying that prayer, I pray to God that you would fill them with your presence and give them the next steps of what they need, joining a a community of believers, uh, picking up uh, uh, your your word, a, a Bible. Jesus, I pray that they would be set up well for this new journey of faith. Pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. In just a moment, Pastor Luke's gonna come back and give you some next steps. But I wanna pray for those of us that have been hearing this call over the last little bit. And hey, I don't mean to, I'm, I'm, I'm just, this is what God's doing in my own spirit. But I wanna know, are there a bunch of people out there that you are wanting to say, you know what, it's my time to stand up. I'm gonna stop telling everybody else to stand up and wonder why something's not happening. I need to stand up and answer the call to to be a priesthood of all believers. If that's you, come on, could we literally stand up where we find ourselves? Everywhere, no matter where you are, even in the studio, if that's you, could we just begin to stand up? Jesus, I pray right now, as people begin to answer this call and as we, have, we prepare ourselves to go back into worship, Jesus, today is a significant moment. As we continue in our, our This Is Church series, we're gonna cover so many incredible topics, but right now, God, I pray that as personal responsibility is being taken to take your words and to communicate them to a world that desperately needs them and to walk alongside people and to be with people and give people the amount of chances you've given us, but just to be there. God, I pray that as we begin to stand up and we begin to walk in your presence and we deliver the words of Jesus and, and we do begin to, to, to deliver them with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I pray that the move of God would begin to multiply across this earth, multiply across our province, we pray. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Church, can we stand to our feet if you aren't already and begin to worship again our holy God?
church, wherever you are. Let's sing that song together. Don't let. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high. Don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this water. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on. Hey, what an awesome message from Pastor Brandon today. Hey, wherever you are, why don't you put your hands together and just thank him for that word. What a great and important word. And I know that it has impacted so many people. So thank you so much for that, Pastor Brandon. And hey, if you were one of the people who made a decision to follow Jesus, you know, that's the best decision that you could ever make. And we are so excited for you making that decision. We're cheering you on. And we want to do whatever we can do as a church to help you in this journey of faith. That's a decision that maybe it's been made in private, but it's meant to be lived out in public. And we want to resource you and help you in any way that we can. And so we've actually got a connect card and there's a button popping up in the chat right now. If you made that decision, we would love for you to fill out that connect card so that we can connect with you 
get to know you and help you take your next step in your journey of faith. So make sure that you do that. Again, we'd love to connect with you. And hey, we've also got something at the end of the service called Next Steps. And this is for anybody that wants to know more about Slate Church. Maybe you want to know how you can get involved. Maybe you want to know what we believe as a church, whatever it might be. We host a virtual Next Step session right after this service. And again, there's going to be a link popping up in the chat for that. And we would love for you to attend that. Listen, whether it's your first week tuning in, whether you've been tuning in for a long time, but you just haven't made that decision, take that next step. I really believe that this is your Sunday to take that next step into all that God has for you, and you can learn how you can contribute to what God is doing right here at Slate Church. So we'd love to see you there at Next Steps. What an awesome service it's been. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you have an awesome day. Have a romantic dinner with somebody. Just find someone. Maybe it's a virtual romantic dinner. Whatever you got to do. And also happy family day uh, to everybody. Hope you enjoy the time off. And thank you so much for tuning in to church today. We love you. Go in peace and be blessed. Wait, don't go. If you were thinking of attending Next Steps, do it. It is a great chance to get connected with some people. I'll be there. People like Carrie Ann and Amanda will be there. It's just a 10-minute call, and getting connected is worth it. I know that I wish I had done it way sooner than I did, so if you're thinking about it, head to Next Steps now, and I'll be waiting for you there. Hey, Kenzie, how's it going? Good, 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 good. Hi, Slake Kids. So Slake Kids is now. Look at it